Welcome back to Dr. Bingo Fairmont's Management Minute. This is the episode about workplace wellness. Dr. Fairmont is running a marathon today. Wow. He was unable to be here, but he did ask uh, Russell Clayton and myself, Adam Shoemaker, to represent uh, from St. Louis University in the Donald R. Tapia School of Business recording studio from sunny Tampa Bay, Florida. Shoot. Dr. Fairmont is running a marathon. Very interesting. So let's keep with the sports theme real quick. I was at the Tampa Bay Rays baseball game the other day. Uh, And as you're probably aware, and as many listeners are are most likely aware, you know, when a player comes up to bat, there is a song playing for that player. And they they typically, uh, especially at the professional level, get a say as to what that song is. And it's it's called their walk-up song. What would be your walk-up song if you were a professional baseball player? You know what? That's a great question. That's a hard decision to make because it kind of gets associated with you and your play. It does. And you know what? I think I just right off the top of my head, I would say, uh, Queen, we are the champions. Okay. I'm a team player. Very positive. Okay. How about you, Russell? What would your walk-up song be? I'm I'm thinking Mama Said Knock You Out by LL Cool J. (laughs) That's pretty um, sweet. Very aggressive. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, uh, I guess, average by male height standards, but I, I want the pitcher to know that, uh, that that he's dealing with somebody aggressive. LL Cool J. Mama said knock you out. Quite the contrast to our opening and closing theme music by bensound.com. <laughs> uh, thank you, Ben Sound, for our theme music. So, that said... Let's kind of keep, uh, again, along those lines of sort of the, the, uh, the athletic, the physical activity uh, uh, line of reasoning here, employee wellness programs. Now, those have been, uh, you know, if you look at the Harvard Business Review, Fortune, Forbes, Business Week, there's constantly articles on employee wellness programs. Now, question for you have you ever been a part of an employee wellness program before we dive in to do they work or not that's a great question as well and i I guess i have to ask what does it mean for something to be an employee wellness program is it as simple as you know hey monitor your you know your vitals watch what you eat and sort of participate at work you get some kind of reinforcement from your workplace or does it have to be very complex like everybody has to go to the gym and you get fitbits and things like that right that's and that's a great question that's a good place to start let's let's make sure that we're all on the same page as to what a uh, wellness program is let's use the definition set forth by our good friends at the harvard business review they say a wellness program is an organized employer-sponsored program that is designed to support employees and maybe their families uh, in some cases as they adopt and sustain behaviors that reduce a health risk b improve quality of life c enhance personal effectiveness and of course d benefit the bottom line of the company so really this could be anything that you do that is help your employees get healthier Save some money on uh, health care yes. premiums, right? And and hopefully benefit the organization as well. So it's a fairly inclusive definition. Gotcha. So all those things you mentioned, wearables, monitoring vitals, uh, working out, all those things would fall under the large umbrella of employee wellness. Absolutely. So in the answer to your question, then yes, I have been involved in employee wellness programs because sometimes you have little events, uh-huh. at least at our university, where it's you know, come to this health screening and see if you're going to qualify for a, 
a bonus or a discount right. to your health premium or in addition to your healthcare spending account. Um, I think we had a program a couple of years back where you could uh, get a Fitbit or some right. kind of tracking device, and then they would uh, pay you back for part or all of that if you met a certain number right. of steps or whatever that you're supposed to do every day or a certain number of days per month. So, yeah, those are, I think those are valuable programs. Yeah, the Fitbit Challenge, I, I recall that. I got dinged by that. I bought the rival product, the Jawbone Up, a week before they announced the oh. Fitbit Challenge, and I was I was... I was not included in the Fitbit challenge. I was a little bummed about that, but I still used my jawbone and and counted my steps. That's good. And you know what? This makes you think of something else that might be for a different topic, but uh, I know also our workplace encourages the use of standing desks. Yes. So I know there's a lot of heat right now about sitting down too much at the workplace and you can't sit for eight hours. It's bad for your body. Um, But our workplace will... Uh, a pay for you to have a sort of one of those standing podium style desks so you can be standing up and getting your work done as that's, well as sitting that's down. That's a great point. I think that would be an excellent podcast for the future. So let's let's mark that down. Now, ding. all that said, that's the markdown noise, by the way, <laughs> ding. Uh, all that said, you know, and, and I too have participated in wellness programs uh, at, at various employers I've worked for. Is it worth the money? Because these things aren't free. You know, the employer is paying money. Uh, example, I worked at Vanderbilt University uh, for a couple of years before going back into uh, to grad school and to get my doctorate. And we had a wellness program. And if I scanned my card twice per week to go to the employee gym, I got a whopping $10 each month in my check. Sort of a token appreciation. That's kind of nice. Okay, but that said... Do the math. If you've got X number of employees times $10 per month, it adds up. So these things aren't cheap. So do they work? Is it worth the money? I think it depends on how much you're willing to spend versus how much you expect to gain back. And I know you could probably cite some studies that say there's a pretty good return on investment for some of these plans. And again, it could be as simple as, you know, having a health screening or encouraging employees to work out some more, giving them a little incentive. Doesn't mean you have to build a gym right. right in the middle of your, you know, corporate offices. Although some companies do do that. Sure, sure. So, what are the statistics that you know in terms of whether this kind of program pays for itself? Well, you know, if you do a Google search of this, and our listeners can do that, you can find support for and against uh, in terms of is it worth the money, so to speak. One piece that I want to point to is a Harvard study titled uh, The Hard Return on uh, Your Wellness Investment. Uh, and that's that's the paraphrased title. Um, but their ROI for every $1 they spent, that this, this was a single study, a single company, okay? And that, that study showed that for every $1 that that company spent, they got a return of $6 in terms of productivity, uh, redu- a biggie was reduced health care, uh, health insurance claims. Mm-hmm. So a six for one, that's pretty good. Now, that said, you may be able to find a study that shows the exact opposite, uh, you know, that they lost $6 for every one. But that's, you know, that's one, uh, you know, little nugget there that shows support for wellness programs. One thing I would ask about that program is what kinds of things did they implement? And, and you know, it's great to make six dollars that's a great return on investment for every dollar you spend but are we talking about you know a hundred thousand dollars initial outlay are we talking about 
you know, $10 million initial outlay in terms of, of what they're going to get back, that's great. But how much do they have to put out to start out? Are we are talking pretty simple stuff or pretty advanced stuff? Well, you know, in this study that, that I'm referring to, they don't tell us the outlay of cash mm-hmm. that it took this company, but they do note that they received uh, extensive exercise training. We can assume that that is going to involve a fairly nice chunk of change. Yeah. Uh, whether you're paying trainers to come in or you are subsidizing a health club memberships or you're building your own, we can assume that that is fairly costly. So, you know, they... They put the money out up front, but then they got a six-for-one return on the backside of that. That is pretty nice, and and I appreciate that, and I think that wellness programs are important. But as a devil's advocate, I have uh-huh. to ask, first of all, how long did it take before they saw this impact of the $6 return on their $1 investment? Are we talking months? Are we talking years? I'm guessing pretty short. Sure. But then the other question is, did it last? Because I know right. when you have a new program, it's exciting, and everybody wants to get involved, and then after a while, it kind of falls off. Like, for example, I have a Fitbit on right now. Right. And and when I first got it for my birthday, I was counting my steps. I was trying to make my 10,000 every day. And then after a while, you know, sometimes I forget to put it on. Right. I'm charging it and go, oh, I left it. Well, you know, whatever. It's right. just a thing. So how, how long does that effect last? And would we see that return on investment decrease as time goes on? That's a good question. And and most of the studies that, that I've personally seen have been sort of this one snapshot. So we don't know, you know, year after year. I know those studies are likely out there. I have not seen those. Uh, but you're right. The, the hoopla gets us excited and then it kind of trails off. Right. Um, you know, I, I know as soon as the Fitbit challenge started here, I saw lots of Fitbits on people's wrists uh, or, or even the little key fob style that hangs off of your belt. Uh, I don't see those as much now. Here we are over a year later. Now, that said, the Fitbit challenge isn't going on as well. So let's kind of bring this back around for a, a practical takeaway or two. For the listener, uh, there, what would Doctor Fairmont say? What would Doctor Fairmont say if we called him right now? He would be probably breathing be of, very hard because yeah. he's probably on mile twelve of his marathon. Remember to hydrate. That's right. If he were here, he would probably tell us to maybe start small. Start with the wearables. Okay, you know it's it can be done almost anywhere. Employees maybe. Purchase the Fitbit up front, the Jawbone up front, the Apple Watch up front, whatever the case may be, the Wiseware up front. They track their steps. They get reimbursed. That's maybe one way. One great thought that I saw uh, as I was doing a little research uh, came from uh, Alan Cole, and he wrote a piece in Forbes on this. And one thing that Alan mentioned that I think is is incredibly important and that Dr. Fairmont would want to point out is that we should tailor the wellness program to the organization's culture. If this is a, uh, a Google versus a, maybe an accounting firm where everybody wears a suit and tie, the wellness program may look a little different. Uh, tailor it to the culture. Make it another thought 
that 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 Dr. Fairmont would probably want to point out is to make it low cost or perhaps no cost. I think that's a great suggestion. And and there's so many things that an employer can do that really don't cost the employer much, if anything. Right. Uh, you know, can we get a discount or partner with a, a fitness center that's offsite? You know, right. They, our employees will come there, but they get a 25% discount for joining, or they get some kind of incentive for joining, you right. know, or a T-shirt even for joining, uh, where a normal citizen wouldn't get that. And I think that means a lot to people, those little things that you right. can get. Take, take cost out of the equation for the employee. Absolutely. Uh, and then finally, related to cost, but on the employer end, Dr. Fairmont would probably tell us that if this all could take place on site, now that's not doable for everybody. Pricey. But if it could, if it could take place on site, that would be great because it's the whole convenience factor. Um, I mentioned working out uh, as part of the wellness program when I worked at Vanderbilt. It was on site. I walked across the street. There was the employee gym. It was just for employees, no students. It was just for us. Very convenient. Versus a friend of mine who works at a bank that I know. They have subsidized gym memberships, an incredible option, but he has to leave work, drive 30 minutes to his gym, exercise, drive back to work or drive home. A great option, a little less convenient. So I think, complicated. I think Dr. Fairmont will point at the convenience factor. And you know what? Just as a final thought on that, make sure that it's not just the gym that you've built, but as you said, that it gives the opportunity for lockers, for showers, right. for things like that. Because just having the gym on site isn't going to help you a whole lot if the employee doesn't have the chance to get cleaned up afterwards or you, allowing them to bike to work if they have to step into the office and they're still all sweaty from biking. You got it. Well, I think that wraps us up on this topic. I uh, thank the listener for listening to us. I want to thank St. Leo University. I want to thank the Donald R. Tapia School of Business for the use of the sound booth, the studio. Uh, and you guys, if you see Dr. Fairmont, please tell him that we hope he'll join us for the next podcast. Run, Dr. Run. 